0: A lot of people have heard about the rumor that uh, the Israeli government was responsible in for some creation, way or another yeah. yeah, for creating Hamas. And there's truth to that. There yeah. is absolutely truth to that. There was a organization back in the day called the Palestinian uh, Liberation Organization. And this was a secular, non-religious movement. They were a nationalist mm-hmm. movement. And so they were gaining popularity. The Palestinian people favored them. And so what did the Israeli government do? They said, well, geez, we see all the support. That's not going to work. You won't no be able to fight business. with them. Yeah, that's not good for business. They're not making about religion. I mean, we can't right. weaponize people so easily against what they're asking for, which is, exactly. and I'm not saying that they were angels in any way, shape or form because they weren't. But I mean, at the same time, this was a secular movement, which is to say non-religious. That's a big deal. So what do they do? Right. They go ahead and they start encouraging and on some levels working Funding, with. Yep. yep Exactly, working with Hamas, the group we recognize as Hamas today. And this is not me saying this, okay? This is officials.
1: Thank you so much for beaming in to part two of my special with the always impeccable Gavin Nascimento. In our first part, we covered up to about World War I. We had fantastic feedback. We're going to be delving into the modern day era of the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. And if you are not subscribed to my channel, please go ahead and do so now. Uh, We appreciate you and we love you. Thank you. Special thank you to Gavin for his incredible research and awesome body of work. Um, sit back and enjoy the show. Thank you so much. So in the wake of the Belfort Declaration, as the, the initial um, kind of results of it were more of what you would call a, a, a typical, um, you know, s- People trying to settle into a land, at, you know, w- as, as we saw in the United States, as it was colonized and, and people came from overseas and then, you know, kind of the East coast filled up. And then we saw them start to move out West and, and find, find property and find work and, and try to establish a home and grow some food and, um, and inter, intermingle in a way with, with whoever was around them that was part of a community. Um, 100%. And, and and the way I kind of understand it is at least at that part at that from from then from 1917 the the Jews that were moving into Palestine were they were a very very much a minority but they but they were not um, being um they, they They were kind of integrating slowly into into society, and it was kind of a slow drip process. Yeah, Yeah. innocently. So I actually like pretty innocently.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I like the fact that you use that as an example. I might have to borrow that one. That's a very good example because more often than not, what happens is what rulers do that may have sinister intentions is they will, in fact, take people with benevolent intentions because the best deception is one that's actually a jet, Mm -hmm. but you're the one that's controlling kind of the pieces on the board. And then you get them to slowly go into a region and actually acculturate that region. That was in fact, a form of colonization in the past. Like Mm -hmm. literally you can start to change the landscape of a culture through assimilation. The Roman Empire was, in fact, quite famous for doing that. That's how they overcame, I think, it was the uh, the goals because they couldn't mm-hmm. do it through outright force. So they gradually did it through this acculturation process where, mm-hmm. you, where you change the landscape ideologically and so on and so forth. But it's being done by otherwise good people. Now, what's very interesting as well about this particular time is As this was slowly going on, I mean, there had to be a lot of diplomatic and political maneuvering because this was very deceptive, what they did, right? You, you're promising the Arabs a land, and then you're saying you're yeah. going to carve up the land amongst yourself, and now you're promising the Zionists the land. And so in classic <laughs> um, Machiavellian p- political style, the British authorities, they were still kind of, oh, yeah, we've made this Balfour Declaration. It, it wasn't a yeah. guarantee still, but it was just like acknowledging, you know, the same McMahon and right. the same correspondence. So in this particular region, what we have now is we have Jewish, uh, the Jewish population innocently um, mm-hmm. settling in and alongside Palestinians. And overwhelmingly, these people, they were getting along, okay, yeah. overwhelmingly. But now they were under the occupation of the British. And as you can imagine, with all of that deception, there was a lot of anger towards the British authorities, okay? Ah. Yes. So there was something known as the Jaffa riots, which illustrate this, J-A-F-F-A riots. And the Jaffa riots were actually where the Palestinian population, so the Arab population and the Jewish population together were rebelling against the British authorities. It was called, um, I think it was Mandatory Palestine, something along those lines, some silly political term, but it was essentially British Occupation. Now, in a previous podcast, what I pointed out, and this is so significant for people to understand, because when you can remove the emotional irrationality that puts these landmines in your head where you can't think clearly, like you become very impulsive, and you get angry and defensive, and you just want to fight, and it's it's such a strange, bizarre thing. It's not natural. That's indicative of some kind of trauma, guys. Like, have you ever been around somebody, and they overreact to something? Maybe you've even done it, and then you have to sit there, and you say, okay. That was way over the top. It's That's because why some they kind had of of
1: behead babies. They're beheading babies. I'm like... Yeah,
0: exactly. And so it inculcates <laughs> a form of, of trauma in you. And this yeah, actually puts up a mental fun. block in your mind, a proverbial landmine that you can't go in that direction, but you have to find a way, to, whatever it is, to sidestep yeah. that so you can earnestly question what's taking place here. And what I said in a previous podcast... Because when you can look at things objectively, you can start to take a scientific interpretation of it. And uh, just so people don't get the wrong impression here, uh, I spoke out big time about scientism during the whole COVID thing. So I'm not the science (laughs) guy. All right, just to quickly point that out. But you can make scientific observations, which are free from the emotional, irrational tribalism that that misleads us. And one of those things, as uh, articulated and detailed, in a publication called Dying to Win from Professor Robert Pape, is that foreign occupation, which is when a foreign government, a foreign military is occupying a specific piece of land, this encourages acts of terrorism. This encourages Mm – he actually studied specifically suicide bombings because at that time, that was a big thing. They're like, oh, you know, they – engaged in these terrorist suicide attacks because it's part of their religion. And I've read the Quran. (laughs) That is simply not true. It's obscene. The average person is not going to blow themselves up, even if the Bible or the Quran says so. The average person is not going to go with the most insane translations and interpretations. It's it's, it's just, you know, think from a human perspective. And anyways, in this, he noted that the overwhelming majority, I think, was 95% over something like, two to three decades that had been studied, all the known terrorist attacks, what he found was the smoking gun had nothing to do with religion. It was about foreign occupation. Mm. In fact, he found that the primary purveyors, okay, the primary um, group, that, the most prolific group, which was the Talmud Tigers, mm. they, um, they were a secular group, which means they were non-religious. And and it's not difficult to understand how this works. So I've sifted through all kinds of testimony from U.S. soldiers and the war crimes they committed, and I've more recently done this with Israeli soldiers. When you are in a land and you have these military individuals, oftentimes very young but quick to pull the trigger, and they get brainwashed that these people are your enemy, they want to harm you. So now they are operating on a level of fear, but they are Mm. capable of waging violence. Right. And then you, in a place where they speak a different language, they have different customs, and yet you are, you have immunity against their customs and their way of doing things. It's a recipe for bad shit to
1: happen. It's a recipe for radicalism,
0: right? Well, well, the thing is, it's going to happen that they're going to feel bullied, the local population, right? There's going to be checkpoints. There's going to be an innocent civilian accidentally gets killed, which always happens. And then what's going to happen? Of course, there's going to be what they call blowback. So this was going on, and I'm not even talking about this in relation to Palestine and Israel. Now I'm talking about this with the British occupation. So the Palestinians and the the Arab Palestinians and the the Jews, they were in fact somewhat united against this threat. And then what you start to find is it degenerates where they start to go at each other. And although I haven't gotten up to this point yet, in terms of sensible speculation, I like to call it sensible speculation, and my relatively prolific history of detailing how the ruling class operate, their methodologies, and so on and so forth, and specifically the British Empire, renowned for divide and conquer, I'm Mm -hmm. almost certain that there were some elements of them dividing and conquering these two populations that they were trying to occupy, with their own specific goal and purpose.
1: Oh, I'm sure there was.
0: I'm oh, yeah, sure for sure there was.
1: Yeah, and, okay. and I've I've even heard b- b- before you go on that you know the, there there were think tanks happening in Britain, uh, you know, that were meeting solely about how to radicalize the young men of that of those populations in order to create strife and animosity between them. Because they were starting to unite against, you know, the the occupying British, and the the Brotherhood of uh, Islam, the Muslim Brotherhood, like, Muslim Brotherhood, yeah, the Muslim Brotherhood. Yeah. These these groups came about; not they didn't just happen naturally, but they were formed and they were groomed and they were titled, groomed. and yeah, they were given good, purpose yeah, by, by these. Yeah, the, these the more power,
0: the more powerful. Yeah. Guys, yeah. I mean, that's how it has been historically. Is terrorist
1: groups, you know? I mean, the, the, they have an origin as well. Um, oh, for At sure, least man. in modern history. Yeah, for and sure.
0: And it's just gaslighting even, the population, you know? Yeah. Uh, we've been so gaslighted in so many ways, and the truth has been so inverted that the true terrorist groups, of course, as you know, are the intelligence agencies, the that's alphabet right. agencies. And then they yeah. give birth to these smaller ones for strategic purposes. Like what happened that's in right. Libya, for example. Sure, they go ahead, they... They fund, they arm the Libyan Islamic fighting group, which was, they actually were birthed during Mm -hmm. Operation Cyclone and when they trained the Mujahideen. But at that time that they were funding and training them, which is unambiguous, we know about it now. But at the time they were doing it, they were internationally recognized by the US government, the UK government Mm -hmm. and the United Nations as a terrorist organization. They overthrew Gaddafi, at the time the highest standard of living in Africa. I'm not saying that he was a uh, this angel right. or whatever, but he was doing a lot of good things in Libya specifically, overthrew him, became a failed stage. They immediately erected the Al Qaeda flag. And then what happens? There starts then there's bombs in North in North Africa. And, oh it's a terrorist. Oh, but we need to go into Africa now to prevent the terrorists that right. we put there. And so it gives you this very convenient excuse to still look benevolent to everybody that we saving the day, but really we yep. put them in there. Right. I'm I'm creating the problem here as the solution. Yep. Um but specifically in like regards to this divide and conquer methodology of the British Empire, a perfect place to look is just the scramble for Africa. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that's exactly what was done there. And it was done in multiple places. I mean, that the the powers that be, the European elitists, carved up Africa and not just Africa, I mean this happened everywhere. But if you look at, for example, what took place with the Rwandan genocide, that has its roots in that divide and conquer methodology. In yep. Uganda, the ongoing fighting there, and if I'm not mistaken, I think Uganda was under British administration. I'd have to look that up again. But
1: they did the They're exact same They're offering to give today. it away. It, you know, it, it must be. It must have been. The oh, yeah, well, there
0: you, yeah, there you go. You're right. Okay, good Good thinking there. So I'm pretty sure, as you rightfully point out, that Uganda was also under British occupation and colonization. They did the same thing there, guys, where they yeah. divided and conquered the population against the South, where they favored, uh, I can't remember if they favored the North over the South, which is why to this day there's a major divide between the two mm. populations. But essentially this is just part of how they conduct themselves. And when we look at the mcmahon Hussein correspondence, the Sykes-Picot agreement, and all this deception and duplicity, where they are they've got no moral compass, is it really that difficult to believe that something right. may have happened along those lines in, with uh, Palestine and, um, and, uh, and Israel or the Jews right. and the Arabs? I think it's, it's, highly, it's highly logical. But now as this starts to snowball, there is tensions. Okay, There is tensions, and um, we can get into that now. There tensions, and it starts to escalate into horrible things taking place. So one of the things is the 1929 Hebron Massacre. Right Now, the reason why I pointed this out because there's numerous events, but this was where um, the Arab population, uh, and uh, I mean, I need to dig so much more into this because I'm I'm sure there's so much more to it, but the Arab population essentially murdered a lot of the the Jewish population in, in brutal fashion, okay? Yeah. But the reason why I specifically chose this one to highlight, not just to bring balance into the equation and help people understand and also acknowledge that yes, these horrible things are taking place on numerous sides, what we had is when this took place, uh most Arabs sheltered the Jewish population, and this again guys, is going back to our inborn humanity mm-hmm. right so they they always want they want to make it seem as though Like, there's there's something fundamentally different between an Arab baby and a Jewish baby. Like, the dynamics are somehow so dramatically different. But what we essentially have, for example, in that massacre, first of all, we need to know always, you know, as a researcher, I'm sure it's the first thing, at least one of the first things that popped up into your mind is who's arming these individuals to commit these crimes. Because when it's foreign occupation… Exactly. Who instigated it? Like, There's a lot of fine details that I'm sure will emerge over time, as is generally the case. But who instigated it? Because, uh, as is very true, if you look at different um, British administrations, colonies, right. and so on... Look at they World War pro- II. Yeah. yeah. I, I, well, I mean, we go now with World War One. they did it in India as well, which is one of the mm-hmm. reasons a lot of people don't know this, but like with the so-called Spanish flu, the Spanish flu decimated India so badly, more so because of the horrible conditions of british colonialism and they yeah. were rising up against uh, the british for their independence and stuff and anyways my reason for pointing out india in this particular regard is they would limit the gatherings there were very small numbers allowed to be together mm. they were damn sure not allowed to have weapons so when you see an event like this oh now there's weapons and uh, it's it's yeah. analogous to the same old story we told these ragtag fighters are somehow now You know, rising up, and there's this huge administrative power, and 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 coordinated attack, and and yeah, and a very coordinated latest technology,
1: you know. Right, yeah.
0: Now, I'm not saying that something like this was absolutely impossible, but my specific point is that it was essentially a, a minority that did this, and minorities can do horrible, evil things, which is why I'm an advocate for teaching everybody, because most people are decent human beings. I want to teach everybody physical self-defense, mental self-defense. Because when you even up the playing field, it makes it a lot more difficult for the psychopaths to control us. And so my point in pointing that out specifically is that you had these Arabs doing these horrible things, but still most of the Arab population were hiding and sheltering the Jewish population because we have an inborn humanity, and that is something that should unite us and uh, bring us together. And
1: I, and I, I would love to know the inspiration for that for that massacre i would love to know what what oh, there's always
0: more to it truly it's part, it's part of a, a wider event but that, that's one of the things i haven't meticulously looked into but it gives sure us a, a lot, i suppose yeah. oh yeah for sure man but it gives us something that we can dig a bit more more into um collectively as See, an audience i'm a big
1: believer i don't i i don't when these things happen and i've learned this you know it's very rarely um, because a bunch of people have got together and decided to do some seriously heinous, murderous shit. I mean, I'm not saying that there are not instances in history. The likelihood is so so that it's would just... happen. But but usually there's a catalyst. You know, oh, always, uh, always, man. And that's a manipulative deception that happens that makes always. people bloodthirsty and maniacal. You know, in a way that they would never be because, as you say, and I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. This is not our nature. This is no. not our events like 9/11, you know, this this is this is against everything in our true nature, the nature we're born with, right? And that's why they need the trauma because they know that it'll cause this this berserker kind of thinking that that inspires a blood rage and that's why they use it. They've learned that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, go on. go on brother.
0: Yeah, 100%. Well, just quickly to comment on that, uh, for people who want to get a a bit of a a deeper understanding with this, like earlier I cited Professor Paul Bloom of Yale University, right? The studies he did, one of the most interesting things that I found in that study, and I wish, I mean, something like this should be taught in every single school. Obviously, we know why it's not, because they instead prefer to proliferate the studies that purport (laughs) to portray the evils of human nature, right? Like the Stanford prison experiments or the Milgram experiment where they're already adults. They've already been conditioned. uh, They cannot possibly represent authentic human nature, but then they're going to use that as an example. And these are always sponsored by government, sponsored by military. Um, But in this study, what do you find aside from us having a moral compass is he would do these very interesting um, experiments where he would have these small kids, like I said, as young as three months old, and they would have these puppets and the one puppet would play with the other puppet, and then the one one of those puppets would be a bully. it would do mm-hmm. underhanded things, engage in very overtly and obviously bad right. behavior and then he would present the puppets to these small babies and almost always um these small babies like like i don't know ninety something percent of the time i don 't know specifically people have to look it up, but they would overwhelmingly choose to play with the good toys you know the good puppet but more than that what's really interesting is some of these babies would try to discipline the bad puppet they would hit the puppet wow and that's because we have and he terms it righteous anger which is it's very appropriate we all have this right and we can we can see this when within our um our historical mythologies in our fables in our fairy tales in our modern day movies what's what's the common theme i like to explain or tell people that if you want to find an accurate measure for human nature that transcends the limitations of what we see through the news and the media and politics look at what the most popular hollywood films are worldwide because they're overwhelmingly the same where you'll see the marvel movies or whatever may be. it'll be in china it'll be in russia it'll be in the u.s It'll be everywhere. And what's the underlying theme? What can you learn from that? What can you extract from that? That people want to see the good triumph over the evil. That's right. And we want to punish the evil. And that's just who we are. That's our nature. We are warrior-like species. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I just thought let me go ahead and take an opportunity to to compliment what you're saying because it's it's not natural to engage in violence um, unless somehow, some way somebody is intensely manipulating right. us, likely arming us as well on some level. And that's
1: why most crimes are committed. Are, they're crimes of passion. Passion, you know? 100%. Mo- most murders are committed when someone has lost their shit, and righteous anger is what they are, you know, is filling them with. Yeah, 100%. And, and that's unfortunate, you know, because then when we get into the, to the more methodical, premeditated stuff, then you start to cross into people who are, Yes, psycho and sociopathic.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately at the highest level, they're they are they're just very calculated. But it seems yeah. that they, what they do is they engage in a bit of both, where they are doing this yeah. in a very calculated manner, but they roll the dice a bit and they say, okay, we're going to use these people with these intense, passionate, irrational mm-hmm. passions, and we'll embed some of our people in there to try to steer them. In this case, they had Lawrence of Arabia, who came to feel guilty and so on and so forth. At least that's what mm-hmm. his diary is um, and then there's also always going to be embedded agents that can kind of control how things are going. And then if things don't go well, they'll have a guard dog, a pitman right. get involved, right? Like, uh, the other guy, Ibn Saud, he wiped out the Sharif Hussein when he didn't want to play mm-hmm. ball. And this is kind of how it always works. You know, right. the economic hitman, I'm sure you remember him from the zeitgeist. Um, I can't remember his name now, but he had such a powerful testimony and he was a former economic hitman. He kind of described this, how things work. So they've got a, a very skilled oh, yeah. blueprint, you know, like ABCD. Um, But just moving forward now, we'll go back to me to share the screen here, and we're going to get into how Israel as we recognize it today was created. So uh, 1936, 1939, there was the Arab revolt in Palestine, and this was specifically against British rule. Okay, again, the primary problem that both populations had, even though I shared that one um, element, uh, which... I kind of wish I didn't, man. I need to dig into that a bit more. It's a bit reckless to do that. But at this time, the primary issue was with the British authorities. So the Arab revolt in Palestine, 1936 through 1939, this was against the British administration. Yeah. The subsequent Jewish insurgency. So after this Arab revolt in Palestine, the British agreed again, okay, we're going to recognize Arab independence. We're going to restrict the very large numbers of immigrants coming the Jewish Im- immigrants that are coming in because it was starting to get a bit overwhelming at this point, right? Yeah. And um, and then subsequent to the British administration promising the Arabs these things, there was what's known as the Jewish insurgency in mandatory Palestine.
1: Wow, what does that mean?
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, that is what we're going to get into in now, man- brother. Mandatory
1: so, Palestine.
0: Yeah. Oh, no, they called it mandatory Palestine because that, that was the British administration. Oh, okay. man- Yeah, so they called it mandatory Palestine. But... What took place with this Jewish insurgency? And I shit you not, people can look into the, uh, the bombing of the King David Hotel, which killed dozens and dozens of innocent people. Okay, I think including kids, if I recall, but lots of innocent people were killed. Actual religious zealot terrorists, Zionist terrorists, engaged in a massive campaign. It was a mm. predecessor organization to the IDF. They engaged in a massive campaign against the British occupying forces.
1: Hmm.
0: And eventually, through this just insane campaign, okay, that is where the modern state of Israel was born. So it was literally created hmm. through, through terrorism. Now, I'm not one to li- uh, very lightly use that phrase, but when you are killing innocent civilians and so on and so forth, that's, that's terrorism, right? right. You, you, my thing is you don't target innocent and vulnerable people. Like yeah. I understand, we all have our causes and stuff, but um, I just I can't go there, man. So th- this is where the birth of Israel, so the Nakba, is it's recognised on one side, and then on the other side, it's uh, Israeli independence can be <clears throat> tr- traced to this 1948 Palestinian expulsion and flight. Which I mean, that's a very innocuous way of putting it, but 750 million people ah, 50 million, sorry, 750,000 um, yeah. people were essentially kicked off of their land by force and through terrorism. So yeah, it's just a, a very basic graphic for people to see. Let me see if I can make it a bit smaller so I show the source. Okay, there's a source there. Um, so th- this, is, this is massive, guys. And uh, it's through this event, through this seminal event, which was not beneficent, it was not benevolence it wasn't done through you know polite debate and, and considering Diplomacy. the equal interests of human beings right because that's yeah. what that's how it has to work guys like this is the only way of, it
1: can work you know it's, it's the mean, only way, the way it run. can work
0: exactly and um, and so that took place and the UN ended up favoring the establishment of Israel in a massive way which is some really interesting stuff there I wish I had included the slide man uh, there's some duplicitous politics behind all of that between the, I don't, uh, let me not even say it because it, it would target people so bad. I'll, I'll tell you off air, man, because okay, I, I man. <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's very fragmented. I don't want to tell people okay. unless I have like the evidence before me. Okay. It's something no, I, I became that. aware of quite recently, which is it's mind blowing. Yeah, right. And it's coming from okay. a, a relatively credential source, but essentially, um, you know, this was also in the wake of World War II and the Holocaust event. So, right. The the favoring of the Israel state was a very difficult one to oppose politically. Right, right. public because relations. Because you had is, six million people.
1: Oh yeah. You know, oh yeah. as a, as a who were being leveraged, their deaths were being leveraged
0: big time to this very day by people that don't give a shit about them, by people that even finance right. the
1: whole entire exactly
0: uh, uh, and the entire. We should make from. you stop
1: and question. Oh yeah. You know the, the, the fact that the, the same people who were funding. The Germans and the army and the Nazis to do what they did to the Jewish people were now pushing for those people to have their own. I mean, that is so suspicious, and (laughs) to say the least, yeah. To 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 put it mildly, and it and it and it should make anyone who's listening to this who who is not already completely, you know hating on everything we're saying
0: <laughs> <laughs> well they um, wouldn't be yes though, to so. <laughs> question you know i
1: guess they wouldn't have made it this way would have turned it off long ago but you know look i i, I want to keep going because we still got stuff, a lot of stuff to cover but and then we'll we'll go back the, after after that so let's keep going i'll hold my I'll, I'll remember my question for later
0: okay cool you can write it down i mean you can also ask it now brother i mean it's it's cool with me we're, we're on a roll let's keep going <laughs> okay let's rock and roll yeah Okay, so so my whole point in sharing that specifically is that this is where the modern state of Israel has its upbringing, where it was yeah. created. So we, we're not seeing specifically any kind of, again, coming back to the human perspective of doing things. We're not seeing the human elements in the establishment of, of Israel. Yes, there is certainly... Um, the the view and one could make the strong argument in case that it's obviously very human in light of the Holocaust. Yeah. So on the surface, man, it makes all the sense in the world, but with all of the, the fine print, so to speak, the things that have been concealed from us, the evidence that we've never been privy to the mm-hmm. fact that like you were pointing out, you have these powerful families, organizations and so on and so forth that were behind the support and sponsorship of Hitler and the Nazi regime. On one level, they are supporting this. And then after these atrocities are committed, then they want to say, oh, well, because of these atrocities, we need to create a homeland in which we will have control. And um, in more modern history, if you look at, let's say, an organization like uh, Genie Energy, Genie Energy, which is in the region, is actually more so Syria, but it operates just in that specific region in its totality. We have the same names. You have people from the CIA. Mm. Um, I mean, the, the board has changed, but you have people from the CIA, from um, a, a Rothschild family member. You had the infamous Dick Cheney. Mm. And all these people in, on any level, do they have allegiance to anything other than the ideology of elitism, mm. to the ideology of exploitation? So that's where uh, we have to be very suspicious of everything that's going on. The establishment of this was not done through a humane transaction. It would be totally different if, let's say, the Holocaust survivors themselves, they came forward. And through exclusive public appeal, they put forward their case and and they collected it. And
1: everyone said okay, you know, let's,
0: yeah, that, instead it was done yeah. through a highly duplicitous manner and done through acts of literal terrorism and yeah. also the the most duplicitous and deceptive and, for lack of a better word, just straight up evil people yep. controlling Israel. And that's what people don't get, like, man, the people that are in control of that region, much as the world in its totality, are not good people, guys. No. And they do not have the best interests of humanity
1: and, that, and, and nor do they have the best interests of the Jewish people in mind the, no. the people who live in israel are are their are victims as much as anyone you know 100%. And, and the worst part about it is many of them don't don't realize you know they they, they live in this place they're told that it's being protected by constant attack. They, they have so much. Well, they're living in a state already. of fear. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And which it's, is I mean, a controlling it's, it's the mechanism. Security state. There's, it's probably the most. I mean, you know, China is, can go so far with its population, but, but Israel, I mean, talk about a national security state. It doesn't get any more state of the art. Everyone has to do their time in the military. You know, it's, highly surveilled it's a big it's part consuming. of the culture
0: yeah it's yes. it's a big part of the culture inculcating the sense of duty strongly attached to not just the religion but also the historical account of the holocaust like there's right. there's a lot there there's a lot of emotional trauma that's been embedded within people's uh righteous anger and it's yeah. it's really it's just taking advantage of people because at the highest level they 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 are clearly not if you look and i suppose let's get into that where if you look at um, their dealings, uh, and I suppose before we do anything, just on the topic of the Holocaust, this this meme that I made just so people can also understand, it's so important to get the Jewish perspective on this. See, we have multiple Jewish historians, ex-Israeli military personnel, Holocaust survivors, and other prominent figures that have spoken out against Zionism in the State of Israel. Mm. That's that's such an important thing to point out to people. Yeah, and these are credentials, of historians. These are significant figures, and again, Holocaust survivors. And when you see stuff like that, at least I know for myself, that naturally opens up your mind a bit more because they like to portray the specious image that this yeah. is everybody. That's that's all the Jews are totally behind us. And historically from the very beginning, okay, from the very beginning of this establishment, that's not the case. That right. has not ever been the case. So they are they are deceiving us in that particular regard. Okay, so let's get into now the methodology about the modern state of Israel and okay. why we should question this government and how it engages in things that we Please, know from yes. an objective standpoint. So, to engage in just like a, a practice of critical thinking for those who have difficulty wrapping their heads around it, who are still with us, <laughs> what I would suggest is try to frame it as being a totally different government. You don't have to say the government of Israel, say the government of Saudi Arabia. Right. Government Look at it of ob- Iraq. Objectively. Right. And then ask yourself if the behaviors that they are engaging in are problematic, just objectively speaking. Not based on religion, not based on anything else, but just objectively speaking. Okay, so the first thing is let's get into the unprecedented censorship. So we saw here. we all know now, obviously, about social media censorship, right? It's quite mm-hmm. it's quite ubiquitous. But what do we see here? This is from February 2016. Oh, yeah. The military censor seeks control over blogs. And Facebook, Facebook. posts. Bloggers yep. are now required to submit all security related posts for advanced. That's the review. Word.
1: They love to use that word, security. security. Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, and of course anybody who has half a brain, I mean not to be yeah. too condescending, yeah, but immediately you this is political kind of language. They do this yep. specifically, specifically because it's very ambiguous, and then they can weaponize it against anybody for anything related to the operations and trust me the operations can be highly deceptive and duplicitous yeah. which i'm going to get into in just a moment so, so my point being <laughs> and this is from the times of israel in terms of a credentialed um source my point being in all of this guys is that okay we know objectively speaking we don't like to be censored right we don't like to have right. information censored they were doing this back in 2016 and actually was prior to that but they are censoring just regular blogs and facebook right. posts the That's, internet like China, that's, that's just basically that's, exactly. Objectively yeah. speaking, that's wrong. The way that we establish the truth is not through censorship, guys. Free okay, discourse. it is never ever through censorship. And then, of course, yeah, we have this modern day conflict, and this was October fourteenth. It's of course skyrocketed since then. Right, but uh, the attacking of um, hospitals and so on and so forth. Although this is not specifically highlighting that. That's something that the government has also been engaged in. In terms of human rights abuses, guys, if you just look up the human rights abuses, and of course, yes, the UN is a highly questionable organization. Let me just speak on that for a moment. Because people like to use this as like some kind of a straw man (laughs) argument. Yes, the UN is is a... Uh, in terms i'm somebody that has literally literally written the book on the establishment of un (laughs) for the purpose of population control and elitism like i literally wrote that book guys right i understand that however all organizations whether it's the united nations the world health organization the u.s government any organization you can virtually think of even intelligence agencies most of the people at the lower ranks are decent people that think they are doing good things. It's at the highest levels that they know what is going on. And they use this uh, for sinister intentions and purposes. (laughs) So when you see these reports and you actually don't blindly um, and
1: impulsively dismiss them,
0: yes, never. I've got a saying, you never blindly believe anybody,
1: but you never blindly blindly
0: dismiss dismiss them either. Okay, The only way we can establish the truth is we have got to investigate That is how the power of the truth is obtained, guys There is no other way to do it It has to be some form of investigation Whereas the way that deception is established historically Is through the appearance of authority that we blindly believe Oh, it's a professional, oh, it's an expert And then also when they put these landmines our heads for example the last podcast i did with uh with joel and uracimos where yeah yeah they're fantastic human beings love those dudes man uh where they commented on how it's it's so skilled in the way that they make sure that only the liberal media is reporting on on these things taking place and they did the same thing with the whole the whole lockdown bullshit they they made sure that it was just conservative media reporting on it Mm -hmm. Right. And what this does is it promotes tribalism. It prevents us from thinking objectively. And instead we regress into the very lazy thinking terms. Right. It,
1: it's 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 them. It's that it's, two. people yelling at each other you know, because they're literally living on different planets and, and and being fed completely different ideas about what's happening. You know, and that's when you see the the total breakdown in communication that is the tribalism that they seek. And that's exactly what's happening right now. Total breakdown. People 100%. yelling at each other. No one listening. Um, and, yeah, and, yeah. It's and it's, it it's so sad, them. man. Wow. it's a very
0: sad state of affairs. Um, but I am optimistic always about that. That eventually we're off. But yeah, my point is very simple: that this government is it's not a benevolent government. Okay, mm. uh, those crimes. If you look at the UN's um, list of human rights violations, historically, things oh, like coming up again. Historically. They have been embedded over and over and over again in horrible crimes against humanity. Literally, they have targeted journalists, for example. Please tell me I've got that slide somewhere. Um, people can go look it up. They've targeted journalists. They've actually killed journalists. All right. And the evidence emerged. Yeah. And the evidence emerged that they were deliberately targeting. This is why we need to remove religion out of the equation. Because what happens is when people view this from a religious perspective, you feel like you have to defend your tribe. I have to defend right. my religion. Oh, no, you're not understanding. Guys, from a human perspective, there are certain things that are com- they just red lines. You never cross right. that red line. And targeting a journalist, even if that journalist is saying things that you don't like and they're reporting right. on stories that you don't want to be reported, is wrong. You don't... Don't kill an innocent no. human being. It's, you don't bomb I mean, a hospital. It's the same thing as terrorism, you know. Yeah, a hundred percent, man, hundred percent. And we're also to get into the whole human shield thing because, um, and also the, essentially that I've looked into the up again, I've looked, it, I've gone through about a hundred to two hundred hours, okay, of testimony of actual IDF forces, military um, mm. folks that have been there, and that's when you really start to get a, a good idea. But just going back to the censorship, we have this guy, John Leon's. Um, it might be John Lyons. Uh, and essentially, this guy, he's an award-winning journalist. He's deeply revered. You can go look him up. And he has gone a record at basically stating that when it comes to reporting on Israel, the state of Israel, it's unprecedented censorship. And mm. reporters are constantly engaged in self-censorship because they are scared. They don't want to mm. be and quote, savagely targeted. So via this is coming from Mondo Weiss. Uh, you can look up this particular news source not a controversial source to cite. And when asked he about you know people being scared about being censored, he basically says, everybody. And then this is him in conversation with allegedly somebody he calls one of the toughest bureau chiefs around. So this is somebody in charge of a news agency. And then he explains that as part of the book I interviewed, because he was writing a book called Balcony Over Jerusalem, a Middle East Memoir. As part of the book, I interviewed the New York Times, The Economist, Reuters, AFP, and I found a common trait. Reuters even has their own special words that we are allowed to use that won't upset the Israelis. And I went there with the view that I'd been in Washington and New York that I would report it as I saw it, but every time I would write about settlements, something that's factual, you get targeted as a journalist. Wow. Now, again, guys, that that is... That's such a big deal, okay? That is such a big deal because what we essentially have it's is, tyrannical. yeah, no, that, that that is unbelievably authoritarian. Yeah. So again, oh, this no is why, I, yeah, this yeah. is why I try to remove the religious interpretation from this. That's not okay. Th- this is a credentialed journalist, highly revered, not a controversial figure, and yet the moment he gets engaged in it, or if you look deep into what he's saying, every time somebody tries to dig into objective evidence of what's going on there, then they get labeled anti-Semitic, then they get attacked, and right. they get smeared well, yeah. in the media. This is wrong, guys. These are underhanded tactics. Okay, right. they, are, they are truly underhanded tactics, but it gets worse. Now, Chris Hedges, he's obviously another very popular authority. Now, I'd like to make it just very clear, guys, just because I'm citing these individuals does not mean I entirely agree with them. Um, on all of their positions and their standpoints right but when you you know when somebody has a good insight i give credit where credit is due so yeah we have Craig hedges another credentialed individual that could be cited in this particular regard like i said i don't agree with everything he has to say but i mean that's life right you don't agree with everything on on on, i mean otherwise you're not going to learn anything but he wrote this in truth dig and uh i mean His level of honesty in journalism is still something that I think is is worthy of noting. And this is from August of 2014. And he was in uh, the Gaza refugee camp of Khan Yunus. And he explains that Mm. I saw small boys baited and killed by Israeli soldiers in the Gaza refugee camp of Khan Yunus. The soldiers swore at the boys in Arabic over the loudspeakers of their armored jeep. The boy is about 10 years old, then threw stones at an Israeli vehicle, and the soldiers opened fire, killing some wounding others. Now, I've looked at uh, testimony. This has happened on numerous occasions. Okay, as yeah, they crazy got to, shoot as to kill sounds? orders. I saw, yeah. I,
1: saw, I saw testimony too. They got, they got shoot to kill orders. It doesn't matter, I mean, than, the, the thing is, know.
0: from all of the testimony I've looked at, they don't have um, anybody to kind of – Dictate what they should and shouldn't do So right. let, let me just discuss that quickly I've, Guys, so there's an excellent Website called Breaking the Silence You don't hear much about this, which is bizarre To me, well it's not bizarre mm. to me but Breaking the Silence, which has just tons And tons of ex-Israeli Military officials uh, people that wow. worked in special forces, people that, I mean, tons, man. I, I've been, a long time ago, I started working on this, but it, it proved to be so I mean, I've got like pages and pages yeah. of video footage that I've edited. Hey, puppy. <laughs> I've got tons <laughs> and tons of video footage that I've i have been going through and editing yeah. just to show. And it came out to be like almost 50 different testimonies, which wow. is a large number that show um, a, a clear, uh, Consistent theme of terrorizing the local population, randomly mm-hmm. shooting up homes, ransacking homes. So they'll go into like old couples' right. home and they'll just tear it upside down, uh, and, and just like terrorizing the population. Also using uh, actual civilians as human shields. That's yeah. legitimately, uh, and of course, no surprise. The gaslighting propaganda is the total inversion of that. Right. But when you listen to the military testimony over and over and over, and you see these these common themes and these common threads. You know it's a real deal, and they feel intense guilt. They have no motive for doing this right. because they get ostracized and alienated by their society. They get targeted, um, and of course, who's heard of this organization breaking the silence? Very few people. Very few yeah, people. No. And and it's alarming to me because their testimony is shocking, man. And they yeah. talk about kids getting like just straight up shot and killed and nothing no. happens there's no report about it they can no. they can cover up the reports they also explain how they can detain kids of any age and they can do it for an indefinite amount of time they explain how whatever a 19 year old or something he can go serve over there a kid essentially even a 21 year old you're still a kid in many ways yeah you're going over there and you have complete authority o- over how you treat the population there there's other cases where at the, authority that's right yeah hundred percent authority these cases we're at the blockades and stuff right so the places that the checkpoints where somebody needed urgent medical medical attention and then they ended up dying because
1: they couldn't get the medical attention because they couldn't right. get through the blockade like right. this horrible that that's, what about mowing the lawn you you hear people talking about I heard get ga- get ga- uh, G- Gabor, I think is is how you say his name, talking about mowing the lawn and how have you heard of that uh, phrase that the that the Israelis I guess occasionally do to the Palestinians? Um, they call it mowing the lawn.
0: Look, what what I will tell you from the military testimony is that there are certain phrases that emerge. I'm um, I'm not familiar with that one, but one such as demonstrating presence. Demonstrating mm. presence is basically you you just like. You create terrorism. You scare the population. Yeah. You you keep them living in fear. Right, and there's also right. there's intense curfews in Palestine, so you have to be at home in a certain time. The one guy talks about how they would have them on curfew for like three days straight. You can't leave your home. Right. And, and, no, I and mean, if you do,
1: you, you can be... You, you, you've, oh no, you, can, you can be considered full, an
0: enemy combatant. It's, it's wild, kill. man. The yeah. stuff shoot that goes on there is wild. And then what people need to recognize is while they are occupying these forces or occupying this land... At the same time, these kids that have been instructed and brainwashed, and that's one of the reasons, oh, you have to go serve in the military at this age and so on and so forth. These kids that go there, they've already been brainwashed that these people want to kill you. They're terrorists. They're evil. Right. They hate you. They hate you because you're Jewish. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. That, oh, that's of course, not going to, yeah. you know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I want to get through with that but i also told myself man before i do that because that's gonna who knows how long it's gonna take me you know you know i am i like to do things properly but then i said man, in terms of a moral obligation i need to i just need to talk on what i know now um so going back to this testimony um with uh chris hedges oh sorry i didn't even share the thing yeah whoa there gavin getting a little bit ahead of yourself okay no problem yeah, so he explains that. I mean, this is a—it's a very common thing. Uh, he explained I was present more than once as Israeli troops drew out and shot Palestinian children in this way. And this is because, unfortunately, they have. When you can get led to believe that you're actually fighting something that's truly evil, right? Yeah. J- just in the same way that people can believe like these certain scriptures in the Bible, um, about
1: genocide is okay. There's a perfect example in World War Two. Okay. The the Germans were convinced the Jews were evil, and so that allowed them to act without conscience, right? I mean, how else do you do what you do? Hundred percent. They, they were wide, widely convinced, you know, yeah. and so the they, they had to and detach. And these episodes from the of this, yeah, and there's a lot of episodes of this historically, man.
0: Um, yeah. Psychologically, it's it's disturbing, but it's also very um, instructive that yeah. if you look at what also happened in Rwanda, the people that were oppressed eventually were the ones that carried out the genocide. So there's a lot of psychological time, yeah. repression that can go in. The same thing happened in Germany because what took place in World War I and then the occupation yeah. of Germany, the people who, man, they were brutalized and, and just systemically oppressed in horrible ways, they weren't given access to any really good leaders, but then right. here comes this very charismatic fellow by the name of Hitler, who they finance him, the powers that be, the Anglo-Saxon powers, uh, also the Jewish ruling class. I mean, just a right. ruling establishment period. We don't even need to recognize them by these labels that they don't care about in any way, shape, or form. They finance this guy into power. They allow him to um, elicit... It- all yeah. the repressed emotions inside of the people they build and, this military they build the economy oh, they snatch man. it away you know yeah and, j- j- just like that and and they trying to do similar things in different parts of the world you know yeah. even the rise of uh, of a, a a character like let's say you got a Donald Trump you got a Andrew Tate you got uh, yeah. all of these figures who these cats in their own right they represent a danger and I'm not just yeah. saying this I suppose I shouldn't have chosen those two figures because no, well, you ca- the conservative population yeah. uh, aligns with them so much. But um, right. there, there, there's so many, man. You can think of just so many popular individuals that, that are proliferated by the system. And they do this strategically. They withhold those who are genuinely trying to empower you with a strong sense of identity, um, mm-hmm. a strong sense of truth a strong sense of human principles that makes you essentially unfuckwithable, which makes right. you uh, untouchable in relation to their manipulative chess game. They that's censor right. those people, but they'll amplify the more radicalized voices that help to serve the tribal game, that help to serve the game of divide and conquer. Yeah. So yeah. Um, that yeah, that that's essentially exactly what what took place in that particular regard. And it is, there's a lot of interesting psychology there but just moving uh moving forward yeah uh, and sorry man that this is such
1: a lengthy thing but it's a complex no, it deception it is it's a, it's a lot to unpack and and if you want the full the full history you know i'm yeah, that's i'm, the I'm truth, also man. interested in in what the israelis have been doing to the palestinian people since 1948 and since they put them in that god awful open air prison which is now basically yeah almost
0: uh, look, that's where the, the military problem. testimony yeah. is is so paramount. You yeah. know, I, I always try to speak on this particular conflict through um, credentialed Jewish figures. So, if it's going to be in relation to what's going on in Palestine or Gaza or the West Bank, mm. it's going to be about the soldiers who were actually there, because I Very haven't been wise. there. Yeah. Like, what, what can I tell you about that? And then, uh, are we going to rely on the media? The also yeah. trustworthy media. Or,
1: if it's someone on the Palestinian side, it's good, they're going to say it's biased and they're they're you know yeah of course. course so
0: so, the, so yeah, the, in terms of sources, the best you're going to get, in my opinion, is always going to be the Israeli Absolutely. soldiers, which is what I did with the U.S. military soldiers in the back uh, back in the day. They're going to give you a perspective because it's not in their best interest to do so. So right. what is the motive for them to lie? You know, they risking exactly. everything essentially. It's the same with the they can't all engineers. be self
1: hating Jews, right? Yeah, right? I mean. And that's what they get
0: called, man. But um, the moral conscience within human beings, irrespective of skin color and religion, is so powerful that it puts us in a position where we can, um, in in the face of all opposition, still say, no, look, this isn't right. Yeah, Um, this
1: is what's happening. Look, yeah. yeah.
0: So yeah, we have once again just Chris Edges. I mean he details yeah Israel's and this is a I suppose a good summation, right, of, of everything sure, yeah. there that I would I would agree with his statement, yeah, that Israel's indiscriminate use of modern and I mean I hate to also frame these things as Israel's Look at that. like right Israel is an intangible construct. There are people yeah. behind these decisions and that's where the responsibility is. And needs it's not the placed. Israeli people necessarily. Mm-hmm. And exactly. that's why no, not at all.
1: We run into such problems because it's tribal. A, it's totally tribal. Yes, yeah, tr- um, but it's right tribal. there it is. Look at that. Israel's indiscriminate use of modern industrial weapons to kill thousands of innocents, wound thousands more, and make tens of thousands of families homeless is not war. It's state-sponsored terror. I mean, that's a, that's a, and and that's a statement from 2021. What's happening right now? And it's. I mean, when you start to understand. The history; it's much harder to be confused about what may or may not be happening right now. Oh uh, yeah, and, and it doesn't excuse the actions of Hamas. Well, I mean, look, whatever like, did, like he no. says right there, I, I agree with exactly what
0: he's saying. And while I oppose the indiscriminate firing of rockets by Palestinians, he's talking about obviously Hamas into Israel. Right. As I oppose suicide bombings, seeing them also as war crimes, I am acutely aware of a huge disparity between the industrial violence carried out by the Israeli mm-hmm. government against innocent Palestinians and the minimal acts of violence capable of being waged by groups such as Hamas. Exactly. Now, I mean, look, w- with that said, cause I'm sure any, um, anybody that wants to argue against it will say, well, you know, look what happened. That's not a minimal act of violence. Mm-hmm. I wholeheartedly agree with that, but a major event like that, guys, when it is so incendiary and evocative and happening in, in the face of all odds in,
1: of, in terms of the intelligence apparatus, the is, dome, the iron dome, Ah, oh, brother. You know, that I mean, that's a that's a, a couple billion dollar attack. Okay, where did Hamas get a couple billion dollars, and who do you think is keeping track of every freaking cent that Hamas gets in and out? I mean, exactly. This, this is fantasy to imagine yeah. that the United States and Israel were the victim of a surprise attack by Hamas. Not not a terrorist group you've never heard of that's been operating off the grid, off the map. And even then somehow they would have noticed that amount of money moving and now those kinds of weapons moving. 100%. This is like, this is beyond fantasy, it's ludicrous. And
0: and I suppose somewhere where we can quickly go just to help people once again understand the level of Machiavellian politics and that the Israeli government itself, um, how they operate and the mindset of the leadership is there was Operation Susanna, okay? Sometimes known as the Lavon Affair, and let me see—I think I do have a screenshot of this. And essentially, this was a false flag, guys. It was a major operation that was to take place in Egypt, hmm. and and this operation. Oh, here we go. Beautiful. A disturbing legacy of Operation Zizana and the Levon Affair. All right. So, what took place with this is that. Let me quickly. All right, get some face time on there. Sorry, people, this, I don't yeah. mean to be so heavy with the slideshows. <laughs> That's what <took> okay. Pla- <laughs> so what took place with, uh, with the Egyptian government is that the Israeli establishment, the Zionist establishment, saw that certain w- Western political factions, or Western governments, the U.S. and the U.K. namely, were working with the Egyptian government. So they had sleeper cells, which is essentially where you have a team of operatives in the country that will do Whatever it is that you would like to do, whatever intelligence operation, whatever clandestine operation on your command. And so they had the sleeper cell. I can't remember how many figures it was, but it was like maybe less than a dozen. And their job was to literally, and they did do this, carry out bombings on strategic places. So the post office, the movie theaters, Mm. and uh, engage in acts of terrorism. And the whole is, purpose yeah. behind this was to blame the Egyptians and blame, I think it was the communist Egyptians or the anarchists. It may have been mm. blaming the anarchists. It was just to blame those the left wing. You know, they all get associated right. together anyways, even though they're totally different things, anarchy and communism, but let's just blame them all together. The same thing. <laughs> right. People won't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this was back during like a Cold War era. So it was a hot topic. This is, I think, in mm-hmm. the 50s. And so they did this. And they ended up getting caught because one of the bombs went off prematurely. So for decades, the Israeli government concealed this intelligence. They didn't tell people. There was circumstantial evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, there was stuff that clearly indicated a bit. And, of course, you couldn't get, like, the official acknowledgement. Yeah, they had plausible the deniability. deniability. They're so good plausible at Plausible deniability. However, now, eventually, they did concede that, yes, they were involved in this specific operation. And they went so far after several decades of this lying, to go ahead and honor, oh there you go, nine, it was nine of them. They honored, yeah, after 50 years, the three surviving members wow. were given certificates of appreciation. Alright, <laughs> certificates of appreciation, guys.
1: Thank you. Let's show you. It's uh, out to the survivors of the USS Liberty. I, I mean, I mean but, but that right there is
0: illustrative and instructive of what this government is about. Because you know, once again, from an introductory perspective, a human perspective, carrying out terrorist attacks. Now they they claim that, you know, no innocent civilians were harmed. But of course, if you're bombing post offices, if you are planning on bombing movie theaters, the room for something going wrong in that particular event is extremely high. And it's just the fact that you are trying to lay blame of a terrorist attack on another government. For right. the purpose of public relations, it's extremely deceptive, guys. And not only did they do this, but fifty years later, after keeping it secret and denying it, then when it finally emerges, they give certificates of appreciation. Like God. where's the remorse?
1: Right? <laughs> so you, you no don't apologies. Act, no no, no, apology. no nothing like, for the families. No, exactly. Just, like uh, that that is just that's just Wow. It's to
0: me that's insane, man. So yeah. again, this is why I try to explain to people don't um, View this with the trappings of tribalism and religious interpretation, and um, just very quickly, where earlier because I like to give sources, where earlier I explained to people that the uh, Israel, the last time I checked, they were the fourth viewed as the fourth yeah. strongest military in the empire. I mean, <laughs> well, I suppose that's accurate too. We are right. in some kind of dystopian empire. Uh, This is from the Times of Israel where they essentially know from the U.S. News and World Report that Israel ranks among 10 most powerful countries in annual list and the fourth strongest military. And this is behind only the U.S., China, and Russia. And just to give people a visual, there we have Russia, there we have China, there we have the U.S. And what's that? That small... Oh, there they are. Look at that. (laughs) I mean...
1: So, guys, when... And it's funny because, you know... The UK and and all, the entirety of the UK. I mean, they, they've they've put their eggs in, in in Israel's basket, so to speak. You know, they know that they have the United States and Israel. United States is, you know, obviously number one, and then Israel is the is like the sidekick, almost. You know? uh, yeah, well, like, well uh, the
0: the thing that I try to explain to people, man, is we are viewing the world through this very antiquated lens of interpretation, where they. You know, and they, and they constantly portray this in history books and through the media and television. And Russia and China are ganging up against America. First mm-hmm. of all, these are countries, there are okay. collectively billions of people in these countries. They don't give a shit about these conflicts. Right. Uh, and if you look very closely at the highest levels of business, the bankers, and even the officials in positions of government... They're interconnected with all of these corporations that yeah. are stationed in Russia. They're stationed in China, and the f- different families have interest over there. Rockefeller families have major interests oh, yeah. in are you China.. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and, so, and, and the Rockefellers were—they were responsible for, for making sure that Russia had the information it needed to build its own nuclear pr- program. Do you understand? Oh, I think it was Victor the Rothschild. The council of foreign who, relations. You know, I mean, all of it. It's, there can't it's, be it's, a cold war if only one side has nukes. So what? The Rothschilds made sure that the Russians had plans to build their own arsenal, and and they did. They. I mean, this is this is how nefarious. Yeah, no, it's unbelievably evil. evil. To them, that's why
0: I say it's like, it's like a chess game where sure there's going to be pawns that are going to die. And, but in the end, the two Kings aren't, they're not going to die on some level or another, they're going to cooperate or the, the two chess players, the one might beat the other one and I'll get you next time. But nonetheless, nothing's going to happen to them. And so, um, you know, we, we have these, these powers that are pumping billions and billions and billions of dollars and extremely sophisticated levels of technology into Israel. And I'd like people to ask themselves who are still viewing this through the very misguided religious interpretation. Do you think the U.S. government right now is aligned with the the tenets of Christianity or Judaism (laughs) or religion? No, they're all they all about the the woke agenda right. and all that bullshit. They so, just
1: excused the the civilians. They said, "Listen, Israel is, um, Israel is at war." I'm like, really? Who the fuck are they at war with? I don't uh, see anyone sh- shooting. I don't see any airstrikes happening on to Israel. I mean, there was obviously the initial quote attack that we were all made aware of, you know. But right. But, like we know that was allowed to happen because of oh, that old that little piece of technology the iron dome the most sophisticated thing of its kind just happened to turn off for like 6 hours you know so, yeah, so I mean, that, oh, whatever you want to say was allowed to happen yeah you know? and
0: uh, i mean at the same time like you know <laughs> what we have taking place as well when we when we look at uh, the story between um, so first of all, we know this is just geopolitically, this is a very important piece of land. And, and so right. I suppose just getting a little bit back to earlier, when I was saying we get told like, oh, Russia and China and America, like these are people or something, the true power structure is an intangible one. And it's made up of different uh, corporations, media outlets, um, Elements within governments, intelligence agencies, mafia, organized crime, right. um, big pharmaceutical companies, huge you know, corporations, all, all kinds right. of things. And, and it's global and it's not, it's not joined together through like borders that we can outline on a map. Like these people are working interconnectedly, internationally. And so Israel as a state beyond the religious interpretation is clearly a piece of that puzzle it's one big empire right and ultimately the primary objective is not just to methodically oppress and even wipe out this uh this palestinian people which personify like a form of rebellion and there's nothing more that the ruling class hate and despises right. historically than people that personify rebellion and or you know refuse to bow down like you've got kids throwing stones at tanks it's the equivalent of way back yeah. in the day with diocletian he's trying to murder these early christians and they're like nope we're not going to bend the knee it's the equivalent of that and also on the other side you have scientists when the christian establishment came to power where they wouldn't bend the knee and so they get persecuted too so uh, to me that's what that truly essentially represents but um just in relation to also like speaking about hamas you know a lot of people have heard about the rumor that uh, the Israeli government was responsible in for some creation, way or another yeah. yeah, for creating Hamas. And there's truth to that. There yeah. is absolutely truth to that. There was a organization back in the day called the Palestinian uh, Liberation Organization. And this was a secular, non-religious movement. They were a nationalist mm-hmm. movement. And so they were gaining popularity. The Palestinian people favored them. And so what did the Israeli government do? They said, well, geez, we see all the support. That's not going to work. You won't no be able to fight business. with them. Yeah, that's not good for business. They're not making about religion. I mean, we can't right. weaponize people so easily against what they're asking for, which is, exactly. and I'm not saying that they were angels in any way, shape or form, because they weren't. But I mean, at the same time, this was a secular movement, which is to say non-religious. That's a big deal. So what do they do? Right. They go ahead and they start encouraging and on some levels working Funding, with. Yep. yep exactly working with Hamas the group we recognize as Hamas today and this is not me saying this okay this is officials high-ranking officials within the Israeli government and people can actually go look up there was an article in the Wall Street Journal a couple years you know back that illustrated this you have to go to archive.org unfortunately to look it up because it's behind a paywall and then there's also one, a more modern one, that was printed in The Intercept, uh, you know, The Intercept, which has, they've got some decent reports and stuff that can yeah. people can go check out, where it explains that, yes, this took place. And to me, like several years ago, I published a video where it said, you know, uh, how the Israeli government helped create Hamas. And this was on Facebook, where people have the laughing emoji. They have access to that undermining right. laughing <laughs> emo- Oh, yeah. it, it was just overwhelming because... That's fun. It's such a knee-jerk reaction and dismissive that people don't realize you have a landmine that has been established in your way of thinking, and so immediately when you hear that, you think that's the craziest, most ridiculous thing, and yet it's aligned with objective reality (laughs) and therefore the truth. Yeah, that's the world we live in right now. You know, people just can't
1: can't believe it. You know. Yeah, it's
0: just—I mean—you can't bring yourself to believe it, but it's a tricky thing, and we've obviously had quite some time to methodically unpack all of the the horse manure that has been piled into our minds and so i don't expect anybody to just do it all at once but it's imperative that we try our very best to be humble and recognize that my perception is limited and what i know today compared to 10 years ago 20 years ago is like a quantum leap and right. I also it I sounds silly but I try to remind people remember at one time we all believed in Santa Claus we all believed right, in Easter Bunny
1: and the tooth fairy yeah and the tooth fairy and, and if somebody the tooth fairy what what is it I mean <laughs> yeah, when your kids believe you know I mean
0: 100% absolutely. And, and if another kid said you know that's not true you and your other buddies would be like doesn't yeah, be believe like, in a tooth fairy this fool
1: yeah or they, you get mad at them and be like yeah yeah it is true you know <laughs> right <laughs> Um, a, a, but but that is
0: just a, a simple example of you know we have this narrow perception of reality and we just have to be a
1: little bit more open minded man. We have to be willing to evolve. We have to be humble enough to to say, wait a minute, maybe what I've been taught strays from what is the truth, and, and maybe some of what I was taught is true. Um, but but why don't I take a look at it and pretend like I'm like I like I don't have a. You know, like I don't want one side to be right. I just want to know what happened, and you have to kind right. of look at things from because a lot of people don't want to imagine uh, an Israel that is not God's people. You yeah. know, because it goes against exactly. the Bible, and that's what they've been taught. Right? And, and you know but, what? You, but you have to if you want to consider this information, because you won't truly consider it unless you do, right? And, and you know I mean, what? You just made me also
0: consider it. It actually goes even to a deeper seated level of problem, which is. And I mean, this will prepare me for the next podcast in this particular regarding conversation. But the whole religious conviction and interpretation behind this is also deeply tied to people's sense of identity and their handle on the world. Like, this is what's really going on. So right. if it gets removed, that's a, that's quite psychologically oh, yeah. overwhelming. Yeah. It's That's, yeah. that's, that's really overwhelming. So that's a nice way to frame that, that it's, yeah. it's actually because people are scared that's to, it. um, to recognize it's that funny. I don't fully understand what's going on in this
1: world, and what I what I thought I knew may be very far from the truth. It's very scary. Let me ask you this, Gavin, because I only got about seven minutes left. I got to go pick up my my, my son from school. Children I can, always I come can talk surge, to you about brother. this for hours. But um, so there are people who think, for whatever reason, whatever history lesson they've got and ge- ge- geographical lesson that they've received that the Palestine was never Palestine. I get these comments and these questions. They're like, name one time the Palestinians own Palestine. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand the question. You know, if you just go, if you were to go back and look at a map, like the third century, you know, you would see a, a place called Palestinian, Palestinian, Syria. I think that was what they, they called it. And, and yeah, the name has changed, but as far as I understand it, it was never, was it ever Israel? Was it, I I, I mean, maybe there was a brief time in the, in biblical times, but in modern time, what, you know, what, what, whose land was it? And why do people think that it was that Palestine and the Palestinians somehow or other, are are are, you know that they don't belong there. It's almost like they, it's almost like they're the ones that came in who don't belong. Even though we've just spent two and a half hours discussing how, in fact, it was the it was the the Jewish people after after the first world war and after second world war who came in and who were not part of that land.
0: All right. So what I'm going to do, and, and sorry, I'm while you're talking, I'm busy looking for this specific slide. And let's also look up an original map of Israel or Palestine. So essentially, the land was was called Canaan back in the day. Canaan. Okay. Let me. I just want to pull up a visual for people to see if they will provide us with one. Oh, this is the thing about whenever these are uh, very evocative events are taking place; it becomes very difficult. Yeah.
1: To find. Yeah. Yeah, I I know exactly what you're saying
0: People can look it up I'm going to entrust people to do a bit of legwork We've done a lot of legwork here guys So you can meet us halfway Um, Essentially Yes, there was It was called the land of Canaan And then it was also later recognized As uh, the land of the Phoenicians Okay Mm. Interestingly The ancestors of this Specific part of land and this is where I'm going to share the screen. They are, in fact, overwhelmingly from the ancestry of Lebanon, Lebanese mm. people. So, yeah, we have genetic studies suggest present-day Lebanese descend from biblical Canaanites. Researchers analyzed DNA extracted from 4,000-year-old remains to reveal that more than 90% of Lebanese ancestry is from ancient Canaanite populations. Wow so, yeah, so that was something that I was interested in, and uh if you look into it, you know it, w- it was legit. These were um yeah. s- science studies, so they actually show okay, this is a specific population, and Palestinians themselves have got um Lebanese blood, not all yeah. of them, not all of them, but um that those are the people that are actually originally from there who are now in right. Lebanon, and there's also Lebanese <laughs> people here in South Africa, so if people yeah. actually want to get to the heart of the truth on that particular question uh What the evidence is showing is that it's Lebanese people. And for me, the most conspicuous form of reality available, and I suppose let me not use these silly words, but the thing that is the most tangible to grasp, like the most in your face, that is representative of the truth until something else emerges. So the truth of the situation is the land of Canaan was there a long time ago. In the Bible, it all says, I'll give you the land of Canaan through an act of genocide and the ancestors of that particular land, genetically speaking, are Lebanese.
1: Are Lebanese, there you have it. And, and you know, I, I also saw, I, I'll try and find the study, but this is a very controversial thing. And, and archeologists and people who do this kind of work have found out the hard way that <laughs> you, you, you're, you're not allowed to talk about this. You're not allowed to publish studies about it. So it's, but I, but I, I was- Also very manipulated industry, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh my God. Ask Graham Hancock. He'll tell you. Um, oh,
0: yeah, I love Graham Hancock. But I guess that, that's, that's a good deal. we lucky Graham to Hancock. have him. Man.
1: But I was reading something and I, and I, it'll probably be difficult to find, but I, but maybe it was an interview, but you know, the guy was like, listen, he was like, you know, I, I tried to, I think it was an archeologist. He was like, I I tried to publish a paper about this and they wouldn't let me publish it. And he said, because the paper revealed that the modern day Israelis hail from the mountains of Caucasus. It predominantly, and I was like, "Well, yeah, they can't let you publish that, dude. <laughs> are you kidding me?" Is, is this tied
0: into the Ashkenazi story?
1: It it, it might from Kazaria.
0: I mean, I I don't I don't know. I just remember back in the day, I went down that rabbit hole. Uh, wow, the, it might
1: be actually. Uh, now that you say that, it, it I have it, to do a I have to look it up. I, yeah. I shouldn't have said it either. Uh, you
0: know. No, no, that's fine. But, you but know what? The I thing like, is, while we do this that. podcast, me and you are just kind of talking as well. Yeah, so that's true. you know, yeah. Yeah, but, no, it's, it's cool, and as fellow researchers who may be listening to this, we, we drop the seed, and then they may have more yeah. time to look into it, and then they oh, go yeah. ahead, and who knows? They help to That's pick a, up the greater pursuit of truth that we all, right. we all have a moral responsibility and duty to contribute
1: towards. And, and let me point this out real quick while it's on my mind. The fact that we, 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 we do have studies that show scientifically that – can't, you know, the Canaanites uh, are, in fact, D, as far as science and DNA tells us, related um, directly to the Lebanese population of today. The fact that if you look, I imagine you're going to have a hard time finding where modern day Israeli uh, DNA comes from. That should raise suspicions because you can probably find out just about where everywhere else on the planet is from but the people who control these things and academia in general they're not going to let you see where those people are from now there's a reason for that and i and anyone who's listening i encourage you to 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 try and find out um and notice that there's a there's it's it's like star wars there's something missing from the uh the the files you know and that's where you need to look you know um, yeah, 100%, it, man.
0: No, 100%. <laughs> right. It's also the the trouble with the ruling class, like all compulsive liars, is they, they spew out so much deception that they, they have to constantly find a way yeah. to uphold this deception. And then they find themselves weaving more and more spiderwebs. And unfortunately, yeah. we become the casualties in all of that. And so our minds become ensnared and wrapped up in all these deceptive narratives that we don't even know what reality is anymore. We don't know what the truth is. No. And they do it for specifically what you're saying. They want to conceal something, and then it leads to another lie, and another lie, and another lie. And there's and then, no uh, length that they will not go to to conceal no. their true colors. And that's why they are willing to sacrifice
1: innocent civilians. Absolutely. And then, the, and then, what happens is the truth is lost because generation upon generation is is built the, the lies are built upon, and and it literally becomes impossible to to find out sometimes what the original. Fabrication, the, the unadulterated truth. Was. Yeah, yeah, because oh, yeah. I mean, and then people don't even know why they're lying. They don't even know the truth, but they know that they have to lie because the truth is too outrageous, and they would be, you know, they would. The oh yeah, all the psychology.
0: Yeah, yeah, all the psychology involved but, in that. Michael Villa also spoke about that. Yeah. Um, we, I, j- j- I, so, just one more thing before you go. Go for it. I, yeah. I, I want to give a. This is important. This is a documentary people Please, can check ahead. out on their own dime. Oh yes, and also that just that website. Okay, let me share this quickly and then let you go because kids are everything, man. They are. That's yeah. that's the real work above and beyond all else. There is oh, nothing as important as raising our little revolutionary beings and loving yes. them and yeah and just doing our best to be good parents. Um. My
1: apologies, man. I'm trying to no worries, brother. Get no worries. Going, uh... Listen, while you get that going, tell everyone where to find you. Where oh, yes. you know we're gonna ha- we're gonna have to talk again because oh yeah, for sure, man. I'm always done gonna- We want to talk about I want to talk about that school. We, we got. to oh, yeah, yeah, go back sure, and man. talk about the Bolshevik Revolution. Re- 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 I need an education about that and how like how yeah, look that's the, a very interesting time, man. You know, very very interesting time. Not many people realize how pivotal that was to what's happening today, you know, and what the, the there's just so much stuff that we need to talk about. <laughs> yes, oh, man. Okay. Thank you. Sorry. It wasn't coming up there. No way. Okay,
0: first and foremost to point people to this website about the testimony of these different soldiers go to breaking the silence guys. Um, let me just look it up specifically so I can give people, there you go. Breaking the silence. Dot org dot il forward slash testimonies forward slash videos. Okay, that is a treasure trove. You want to find out what's really going on? You can go out and check that out. It is disturbing, but it'll help you get aligned with the truth. Uh, Yeah, here's this old story from 2004 where they literally got caught using a Palestinian boy as a human shield. Mm. Uh, And then just the last one. This was actually big on my personal journey. This documentary called The Zionist Story. This was a major moment in my own disillusionment. This was in 2009. So, just to give some people some background on that before yeah. we conclude, the Zionist story was made by an actual ex Israeli soldier and he goes through the history of what took place there. Go and check it out. The guy's very intelligent. Um, you may be familiar somewhere through the pipeline. You've heard about this uh, account called Propaganda. He's also got a website, DISPROPAGANDA. Um, he's a very intelligent dude he made that documentary. He's an ex-military individual, and uh, that helped disillusion me. So it's a good place for people to check out. Other than that, you can find me online. Look up my name, Gavin Nascimento, or at TruthWarriorGavin. I try to get into the fray of things whenever I can. Life is very crazy right now. I have a family, financial obligations, so on and so forth. But you can look me up there. You can also support my work at, uh, at Patreon, which I'm gradually moving away from because unfortunately this is also controlled invariably by yeah. the establishment. But yes, if you are looking for me, you can find me at those places.
1: Awesome, bro. Hey, listen, man, I appreciate your work so much, Gavin. Um, you know, just I can't tell you how much I know how much time you put into it and it, it's such an incredible resource. Everyone who's, who's listening, follow this man everywhere you can because you will stay informed and you'll be able to stay much safer in this world we're living in. Brother, we're going to have to do it again soon. I'm so, so sorry. I got to bounce. Thank yeah, you so much a for the thing. education, man. It's priceless. And right now it, it needs it. So the conversation was so important to me and um. I, Thank you. I, I'm grateful, bro. I, listen, oh, good luck brother. with everything, and, and we'll Likewise. be in touch soon, okay? We'll Keep be in touch, Ben.
0: All right. Go do your thing. Okay, bro. All right, brother. Thank you, man. Peace. Okay, brother. Thank cool, you. Man.